Well, um, sometimes the best conference in America has zero teams in the final four. It happened. You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am sunburnt because I didn't wear sunscreen from Sports Illustrated's Inside the Bears. And thank you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. That's what this is. Um, all right. So we did. We did. We spent all season saying, take that, everybody else that isn't the Big 12. This is the best conference in college basketball. We're the big dogs. You all wish you could be out Gonzaga? <laughs> They wish they could be in our conference. We might let them in. We'll be, we'll be a better conference, and they always lose because their conference strength of schedule is not as good. Question, question here. Do you think Kansas State also lost in the tournament because of their conference strength of schedule? Like, I, I know. I make that point a lot. It's like, oh, yeah, Gonzaga loses because conference strength of schedule. Uh, FAU probably didn't play the strongest strength of schedule in conference. Um, Miami certainly didn't. The ACC was pretty much cheeks. Their number one team preseason cheeks, meaning, but, um, or the a word to those who are not as millennially inclined, millennially inclined, Gen, Gen Z, whatever I may, whatever I am inclined. Um, the ACC was really bad. And now the final four, it's, it's a Texas team that gets bounced to a, like a, an eight. Like I didn't expect the ACC to make it out of the first weekend, much less be in the final four San Diego state's conference schedule. Um, they play in the mountain West, not the big 12. And then UConn plays in the big East, which I think is the second best conference in basketball and has proven over the course of the tournament this year that they, the big East are the second best conference in college basketball by a, by a slim mark. Like it's, it's not as wide of a gap as maybe we thought it'd be considering how many big East teams rolled their way to uh, roll the way into nice March runs. You saw Creighton just dominate Baylor. I mean, they led that entire game. I think dominates a pretty, pretty comfortable thing to say. Um, but now you have Texas gone, which good. Uh, Kansas state is gone. Not good. I like Jerome Tang. We're going to hear a little clip from him later. Where he talks about Scott Drew. I think, I think I'm going to put that in the show. Um, and then coming in, we thought we had Kansas and Baylor and I had Iowa state and TCU both going to the elite eight. I thought those two teams had the best shot at the Iowa state was going to mow over, mow over Pitt, And I thought TCU was going to beat Gonzaga. Neither of those things happened. And I was wrong. If not for me, having UConn as my national champion, we are all massive Huskies fans this week massive Huskies fans this week. If not for that, then my bracket would be entirely busted. But I do have UConn as my national champion, so that's still going for me. So that opens the conversation. You will hear it in the coming weeks. If the Big 12 is so good at college basketball, why do they only get zero teams into the Final Four? Here's the deal, guys. I I don't I don't think that... Somebody tweeted this out, and I wish I could remember. Fontanelli, maybe? I tweeted out and said, maybe we could just throw out conferences for once when it comes to March, because so many crazy things happen this month. This tournament has more parity than any tournament that exists in the entire world. To me, it's better than the World Cup, and it's better than the World Baseball Classic. It's better than the Super Bowl, because so many things happen that don't make a whole lot of sense, and it's great. I love the anarchy of this tournament, and I think that's exactly right. You can't really rate a conference's success based off of their their play in March Madness. 
on the flip side of that coin, that means that you as a Big 12 fan cannot go, ha ha, look at you, SEC. You don't have anybody in the Final Four. Or look at you, Big 10. You don't have anybody in the Final Four. I still think these conferences, no, 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 no. I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt that the SEC and the Big 10 are better than the Mountain West Conference in basketball. They're better than Conference USA. Is that Florida Atlantic Conference USA? I, I, I honestly don't know. I don't, I'm not 100% sure what conference Florida Atlantic is in without checking. That is my job. I get paid to do sports, and I'm sorry that I don't know that. But I hope that just goes to show that maybe the conferences don't really matter. Princeton is, it made it into what, the Elite Eight? Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Sweet 16? As a, as a Ivy League school, the nerds. That's one of my favorite things that I saw this week was, by gosh, those darn nerds might just do it, uh, which they did not. They also lost to Creighton, who's a machine. And I thought Creighton would go a lot longer than that after they beat Baylor. I was like, all right, it's, it's a machine. And they didn't. They ended up losing, which I didn't see coming, to San Diego State. It's in the fight. See, it's March. You don't see anything coming. First shot quality here, talking conference play. The in- this was interesting, interesting to me. The team ratings, the adjusted shot quality team ratings this season. The number one team in America was Purdue. Now, that is based on this metric. It is a very accurate metric. They have been number one all season. They are still still susceptible to losing in March, as obviously did to Fairleigh Dickinson. Just because, like, oh, they lost Fairleigh Dickinson, I- I'm pretty confident that, such as Kentucky losing to St. Peter's in this tournament, pretty much anybody could lose to pretty much anybody. That That's kind of a, a good blanket to put there. So Purdue's the number one team. UCLA is two. Alabama was three. Them losing also to San Diego State in the Sweet 16, which was nuts. This Aztecs team, I don't know what they've got in them, but go them, I guess. I hate FAU now after they belittled Fairleigh Dickinson. So I'm a huge San Diego State and UConn fan this week. UConn, the fourth best team in America, per shot quality. Iowa at five. The entire top five does not feature a team from what we call the best conference in college basketball. It instead features two Big Ten teams in Purdue and Iowa, an SEC team in Alabama, a Pac-12 team at UCLA at two, and a Big East team in Wisconsin. Here's where we get crazy. Kansas, TCU, Baylor, Tennessee, and Texas. Four out of the rest of the top ten round out out of the Big 12. And again, Baylor's in the top 10 this season per shot quality. They just ran into, and we'll talk about it in the offseason, they did run into a bad matchup. They got a fairly easy side of the bracket, excluding Creighton. I think Baylor could have done fine against San Diego State. They rebounded a little bit better than I expected them to, and probably they out-rebounded in the tournament what they did in the regular season. But Baylor had it right in front of itself to move on and get to a Final Four if they beat Creighton, Uh, at least to the Elite Eight if they beat Creighton, because I... Was Princeton was waiting for them if they were to beat the Blue Jays, and San Diego State was waiting for them. So it was right there. They get a bad matchup, and they get bounced. But four of your top 10 teams in America, per shot quality, are from the Big 12. I am firmly confident that this is still the best league in college basketball. And again, you can, you can disagree. I believe that because... The Big 12 showcases its talent in the regular season. They showcase it in the non-conference. They showcase it in the Big 10, Big 12. Big 12, SEC showcase. All of that is great on the resume of the Big 12 as the best conference in college basketball, which they still are. Look, 
the SEC didn't have a single team in the Final Four. The Big Ten didn't have a single team in the Final Four. Because the Big East did, I think they are a close second to the Big 12 and would give a lot of Big 12 teams trouble. They're probably not. The, the Big East is, is much more top-heavy than the Big 12 is, and that, that's the issue for calling them the best conference in college basketball. But their best teams, the Creightons and the Yukons, the Xaviers, can go out and compete with Big 12 teams. That's why I like them. And the other conferences, the Conference USA, Florida Atlantic, the San Diego State's the Mountain West, that all that Miami of a of not of not very good ACC throwing all that. It just shows that conferences don't matter in March. No one gives a, a flying flip, a flying flip. None of these teams are like, oh, shoot, we're going to play an SEC team this week. I've had college basketball experts on this show that said a lot of college basketball players don't really care about conference, which is obvious. No one in college basketball is like, hey, ma'am, yeah, when I when I put that ACC patch on my chest, I felt it. That was big. No, it's the name across the front. It's the name across the back. It's your school. It's your coach. It's all that. It's never the conference in college basketball. Football, you chant SEC. Every Somebody had an interview with Sawyer Robertson pretty recently and was like, uh, you know, you've, you've been facing the SEC defenses. It's like we throw around the conference stuff all the time. And in basketball, it just doesn't matter that much. We've got we've to detract ourselves from the idea that how it, it like, huh. I'm going to pause myself. If the Big 12 had four teams in the Final Four, this would be a completely different story, by the way. So you're those of you who are listening are like, yeah, this is probably just like a recency bias thing where he's covering his tracks. Yeah, that's exactly what this is. But the Big 12, we have to throw out conferences all together because it's not how it works in college basketball. So, all right, the Big 12 didn't get a single Final Four team in. I, for one, am glad the Texas didn't get in. We would never have heard the end of it, and I don't like them. That would have sucked. So Texas makes it, uh, makes it to the Elite Eight. Great. Kansas State also made it to the lead eight, and they were picked last in the Big 12. See you later, Texas. I hope you lose every game you play in every sport for the next two years before you go to the SEC. Then do whatever you want. I don't have to care anymore. I do care, though, about Built Bar. Built Madness is going on right now. Built Madness. Built Bar is the place to go for your breakfasts. I love, I love doing two things. In the morning, I will start my day with a Built Bar and a Candy Apple Crisp Bang. Sponsor me. In the afternoon, I will get Blue Diamond Smokehouse Almonds. But I'll tell you, of that trio, Blue Diamond Smokehouse Almonds, the Black Cherry Vanilla Bang or the Candy Apple Crisp Bang, given the day, and the Built Bar. The Built is far and away my favorite. I will be voting for the Coconut Almond Bar right now to win the Built Bar March Madness bracket. If you go today and vote, you can get a free box of Built Bar. 50 people, 50 lucky locked-on listeners will get one. And you can win a 12-month subscription of Built Bar. You gotta try it. You gotta try Built. It's seriously amazing. They're healthy. They're good for you. BuiltMarchMadness.com BuiltMarchMadness.com Go right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff. Pick up a box while you're there at Sam's or Walmart, and you can vote every day in March. So hop on, support your pick. Uh, we're coming towards the end of this. All right, one thing I want to jump into this week, and we'll probably get into it a little bit more in depth come later in the week, is the Jerome Tang conversation. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna open it up here. I'm not gonna completely throw every every opinion and fact out at you, um, but I do want to start prefacing and, and let's get us ready to have this conversation. Jerome Tang leaving Baylor. What did it do? What did it do? Because there was a point in time where I. Oh, no, not me with a poppy and dramatic tweet. I tweeted probably three months ago um, around January. It was like, you know, losing Jerome Tang was truly detrimental to parts of Baylor men's basketball. 
and then of course, you know, the first few are like, no, there's no way. Oh no. And Scott, we trust, which I agree. Yes. Still in Scott, we trust, but let's take a look at a guy who went and took the worst team in the big 12, two, pl- two players that he got when he got there, went and hit the transfer portal for a bunch of guys that the rest of America didn't need on their rosters. They were not transfers that you were like, Oh, well, that guy is going to be the guy. He took Marquise Knoll, who was five foot eight and turned the squad via his attitude, his dedication, commitment, the buy-in from the players turned his squad into an elite eight team in year number one. That's right. Jerome tank did that. I, I, by the way, I love him. He's the first person I hugged after Baylor won the Big 12 Championship of men's basketball last year. There are uh, people that work for Baylor that don't necessarily love this show, and they're not the biggest fans of yours truly. There are a few of those that exist out there. Jerome Tang was not one of them. If I had one fan, it was Jerome Tang. If I had a million fans, Jerome Tang was one of them. If I had zero fans, Jerome Tang was dead. And that meant a lot to me because there are very few people um, at a program so high caliber at Baylor that had gone out of their way to be so kind to me. And I've learned in the last week that that was reality for a lot of Baylor people in Baylor media people. Um, and a lot of people who are just like active on social media are active Baylor fans that he was just really nice to those guys. So maybe I have a bias because of that, but I think it started to come to fruition as you're seeing these videos of him going into the FAU locker room. Something Scott Drew has done and something that I'm sure Jerome Tang learned from Scott Drew, the keep your head up video of his team coming into the locker room. He tells every guy, every staff member, every person down to the trainers, keep your head up, keep your head up, keep your head up after they lost to FAU, the press conferences where he's talked about his faith consistently um, and where he's just been like the class act of college basketball as he's taken his team to the Elite Eight. You parlay all that together and you tell me, you tell me confidently that losing Jerome Tang was not detrimental to Baylor men's basketball in some serious way or serious ways, I, I, would, I would be shocked. The day he left, I talked to a guy who was on the team for a little bit. Um, no, nobody who you'd know or, or contributed minutes, but I talked to a guy and just asked him, so, so what is, what are we losing when Jerome Tang walks out those doors, goes to K-State? He said, you are losing the intensity. It's not that Jerome wasn't a nice guy, a really nice guy, but he was serious. When he was at Baylor, the defensive intensity, the, the dog, that side of what Baylor men's basketball brought was the Jerome Tang side. Not to say Scott Drew doesn't have that, but you've heard, I hope maybe you, you maybe you have. Adam Flagler does a great Scott Drew impression, and it goes something like this: "Hey, buddy, what's going on? Good to see you." And like gives him high fives, packs on the butt, something like that. Jerome Tang is not the "Hey, buddy." He's much more like down, dirty, business, like hype guy, intense. You'll play good defense. Not that you're scared of him, but you respect him to the point that you would do anything. You would kill for that man. I, I, That's what Baylor was missing this year. We kept talking about how Baylor does not have that gritty, dirty mentality, keeping them out of the top 100 in defense this season. There wasn't that guy that brought Baylor that level of, of, of effect on that side of the ball. And I, I think it's because Jerome Tang's gone. Can we admit now, after 19 years of Jerome Tang, whatever, 19, I think, that his leaving truly had a negative impact on this team. That his leaving really put a hole, like a Jerome Tang-sized hole, in this staff. Does it mean that Baylor can't recover? Does it mean that Baylor lost because of that? No. But I think Baylor, no, I know. 
I know. Baylor would have been better at basketball this season if Jerome Tang was on staff. You can't argue with that. He took a team of nothing and won three March games in March Madness, made it to the Elite Eight. Took a team of, he compiled it all out of the transfer portal, made it to the Elite Eight, was the, I would say, third best team probably in the Big 12, maybe, yeah, third best team in the Big 12, maybe second best team in the Big 12, and just mowed over some folks when he got to March, was the guy, beat Kentucky when people didn't think he was going to beat Kentucky, brought his team to the Elite Eight, and that to me, you can't, you can't say that not having that guy on staff, this team is still as good or better off without him. This team is as good as it could be. You know, like this team is, is as good as it would be without Jerome Tang. No. People that are like, that are so defensive of Scott Drew can coach. He's good. I agree. I, I think that Scott's great and Scott's going to do a great job of replacing Jerome Tang and things are going to be fine. But Jerome Tang being gone, still a big blow to this program. And I think you're seeing it with him pretty much boat. He beat Baylor twice, boat race Baylor in the postseason. I mean, it's not a coincidence. He didn't just do that on accident. He just didn't just get lucky. Drum Tang's just that guy. He is that dog, and I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. Just like I won't stop betting at FanDuel. FanDuel.com is the place to go because there is a $1,000 no sweat first bet. I love UConn this week. Minus five against Miami. I think it's a great pick because I have UConn winning the national championship. So right now, FanDuel's giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet does not win, go to FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. Sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. You can wager on everything. Money line, point spread, which team will be cutting down the net. I, as I've told you, had five futures on teams to win a national championship, UConn being one of them, and they are right there with a chance. I will win a lot of money from FanDuel if they do win the championship. It's an app that is safe. It's secure. It's super easy to use, so do not miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. And you can make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA, the NFL, all that other stuff. All right, the last part of the show here today, I want to give a thank you to you. It has been one year, one year, over now, over one year, since Locked On Baylor started. Uh, back then, I was in a room not so uh, dissimilar to this one, very similar, with no microphone for a little bit. Had to, I invested in this one, which has made it a whole year. Thank you. Very cheap. Um, you allowed a kid from Valonia, Arkansas, middle of nowhere, to not only come to Baylor and crack into sports media, but then to be on the air for a year, six months longer than up-tempo. Hooray. And as I was going through some of the numbers, I I, I truly did tear up because it just didn't, I just kind of blew my mind. Um, 104,590 podcast downloads in the last year. One year, 100,000 podcast downloads is insane. That is so, like, I didn't expect the number to be like that when I finally went and looked at the analytics. Um, doing this every day, is it's tough. It's tough. 30 minutes a day amongst a college schedule, I am currently working four jobs because I love the things that I do. I love the work that I do. Uh, but it becomes a lot. And some days I wonder, like, oh, man, I, I really hope somebody's listening to this episode because I put so much of myself into it. So much emotion, so much heart. Uh, I do all the editing. I edit all the, the audio. I edit all the video. I, I post it on YouTube and write the descriptions and everything. And so to see 104,000 downloads, um, it stopped me. That was huge. 
258,853 YouTube views. 258,853 YouTube views. Um, another stat that blew me away. 1,258 days of viewership. Days. 1,258 days of viewership. If you were to take all the time that you all have viewed Locked On Baylor on YouTube uh, in the last year, it would equate to roughly almost four years of time that you've watched Locked On Baylor. Um, that is, that's another insane one to me. Just trying to wrap my head around that, like years of viewership in just this last 365 days is so tough to do. We're on episode, I think 231 today, 231 episodes. So uh, 1,250 days of listening already. And that's just on the YouTube side. It's not even the listeners on the podcast side. So years in the first year that you put that all together, um, that blows my mind. It blows my mind. And then 1,104, 1,000. 1, I haven't read one of these numbers correctly on the first try. 1,140,000 Twitter impressions. And it, I am a college kid. I'm 22 years old. Just turned 22 in January. I have a, a cardboard cutout poster of myself from the final four that says student section behind me. I have a microphone that legitimately cost me $70. These earbuds were three at the Best Buy in Colleen. I am um, I'm recording this from my bedroom, from my bedroom with on a cord that runs into my computer. And you all have been gracious enough, the, the lovers and the haters, to, to give me 104,000 podcast downloads, 258,000 YouTube views, 1.1 million Twitter impressions. And I couldn't thank you enough. I could not thank you enough. Um, I maybe consider myself the greatest swindler of all time. How I convince you all to listen to the things that I say, I do not know um, because there is a good portion of it that does come out of my butt. There's a, 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 an amount, certain amount that does. Um, but you stayed. And a lot of the takes that I make, I put a lot of thought and effort into, a lot of studying into. Uh, and they may sound dramatic. They may sound poppy. I may tell you that Creighton's going to lose in the round of 32, two weeks before it happens, and then maybe maybe it happens. There is that stuff. Um, and I, I get wrong a lot. I said Blake Shapin would be the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. I get wrong a lot, but I love what I do. And it all it all matters. Um, it makes it great because I get to do it for people who who love me back so well. So thank you. Thank you for making this worth it for me. Thank you for making this so much fun for me. I genuinely enjoy this podcast and I don't consider myself a podcaster. When people are like, oh, you're a podcaster. No, I'm not. That's gross. Um, but you make it, you make me happy to be a podcaster. I'll say it. Thank you. Um, it really does mean a lot. So let's keep going. One more great year, huh? Or more. I'll just stay here for a while. I got, oh, I got big Waco news coming up. Ask me about it sometime. This has been Always Will Be Locked On. Thanks for making your first listen every single day. Come back tomorrow. We're going to talk more about Baylor basketball, Big 12, Jerome Tang, uh, as well as football and spring football. The spring game's coming up in three weeks. A lot to talk about with that. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day at Locked On. I already said it, but I said it again. Baylor. I wouldn't want some Jerome Tang video. Maybe we'll do it later. I'm sorry.